Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Matter of the Heart. And we're always so glad that you take the time out to listen to heartfelt, encouraging, healing, educational stories that elevate your spirit. Uh, I am your host, Carol Olivia. I'm curious, uh, listeners, I'm sure many of you have heard and even use the word self-sabotage. And you just didn't understand what provoked you to say or do something that wasn't for your highest good. I'm sure we've all experienced that. Does self-sabotage relate or connect or emanate from your conscious mind or even your subconscious mind? Is fear a factor? Or are there other emotions that are factors as well? And can self-sabotage be healed? Our guest for the matter of the heart is Terry Earthwin Nichols. Terry is chairman at Evolutionary Healer, your GPS to success. Um, he's also the founder of RBCR, which I find fascinating, uh, Terry, you have practitioners in 12 countries, shows the validity, the total validation of what you do. RBCR is repetitive behavior, cellular regression, discovering the foundational memory that drives repetitive behavior. He's also the ambassador of URGC, United Refugee uh, Green Council. He's the author of uh, Teachings from the Fire, as well as a few other books on Amazon. And he's an international speaker. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here, Carol. Thank you. Don't mention it. My pleasure. Uh, we've heard of the word self, you know, self-sabotage, Terry, many times. So um, I'd love your concept of it. Let's start with me. I am a lifelong self-sabotager. I would uh, enjoy and achieve great success at the beginning of something, self-sabotage myself and uh, ruin it before I could uh, really reap the rewards of it. Uh, that started in, in Cub Scouts, went to Boy Scouts, and Explorers, 20 years in the Navy uh, was a little harder because every three years you either change bosses or you change locations. So not so bad there. But when I retired in 1991, I like to say late last century. <laughs> when I retired from the Navy, now I'm out here where, you know, I don't travel around. I don't change bosses every, every couple of years. And it was difficult. And so the same pattern that had been there the whole time, the same behavior kept haunting me. I would get into a new company or a new type of business line or a new career and uh, do extremely well for a couple of years. And then I would self-sabotage it and either quit or get fired. So I did that many, many, many times. Um, and, and so it always bothered me. Why do I do that? Because I'm a very intelligent man. I 
an IQ of 163, you know, a couple of degrees from college. Why does this keep happening to me? And uh, so I spent some time with psychiatrists, looking at the science of it, some psychologists, getting in there, see if we could find something. Uh, I have befriended and, and worked with uh, physical uh, therapists, uh, various practitioners, EMDR, um, uh, worked with NLP a little bit, psychate. All of those could help me for two, three months, and then I'd be right back to the same old thing. It was like riding the merry-go-round. I couldn't turn it off. Um, Terry, did they get to the... So in other words, you're saying they didn't get to the root. Exactly. Uh, they couldn't find a root. In fact, they weren't looking for a root. They were just looking for what was I was dealing with at the time. Right, symptoms. Yeah. So in late 2009, I went up on the top of my 28-story condo building, stood on the edge of the roof, was ready to end it up. And this little voice, divine intervention, call it what you like, it was clear. Turn around, I have work for you. And it's like somebody was standing there that I trusted. I turned around, crawled over the, the safety barrier, and never looked back. Within about five or six months, what I now call repetitive behavior and have trademarked repetitive behavior cellular regression was born when I was helping somebody. What I found is um, through, through the work of Dr. Sigmund Freud 100 years ago, late uh, 1890s, he was working with hypnosis because he was convinced that uh, the, the irregular behavior of an adult started in early childhood. But he couldn't find it. And hypnosis helped them, uh, but close to 1900, hypnosis became illegal in Germany. And so he had to stop using it. So he started experimenting with cocaine. And he had a little bit of success, but not a lot. And then the, the ugly uh, happened to him. He started experimenting with himself, see if he could go back. And he ended up uh, suicide uh, as a drug addict in 1939. But what he was, his idea, I found, is, is true. So what is this idea? So the first thing we do is self-sabotage, PTSD, uh, repeated victimizations, uh, all those types of things. We don't treat them like diseases or disorders because they're not. They're behaviors. All of science, behavioral science, agrees that a behavior can be modified. And... Uh, you just look at any uh, civilian that comes into the military, their behavior is a lot modified by the time they come home the first time. So behavior is modifiable. So what I found is way back in somebody's memory, if, if something happened to them early enough, there could be an amnesia formed around it. Uh, you know, and that's that's not unusual at all. And there's nothing wrong. You don't have it. Nothing's broken there. That is a protection system that's natural to the brain. Uh, so go ahead. So when it's in that amnesia state, is it in getting into the subconscious mind? Yes. Okay. And what we're finding is the majority of our clients, over 140 for myself alone, uh, something significantly emotional happen to them early childhood, free language usually. And sometimes it was sexual, uh, but there was other times when it wasn't. A, a loved one or somebody said something stupid to a kid 
and they internalized it. Or worse, they saw a, a bad a accident or mom and dad fighting and they triggered on it. But uh, they don't know how to go to mom and dad and say, you know, this just happened and I, I don't know what to do with it because they don't even know how to talk. So over the course of the first month or so, amnesia takes over. That's the natural protection. Well, as the child starts to grow, uh, the child starts to learn uh, ABCs and everything with lineal thought, A, B, C, D, A, F, G, one and one is two, et cetera. So the deflection system that's protecting this amnesiac memory starts learning the same way and how to keep you from retrieving this memory. And so when uh, four to seven years old, we are, our, our mind is mature enough to be able to turn off repetitive thoughts. But if something happened to our ability to turn it off, two things happen. One, we don't know that that exists or where to find it. So there's two things that go wrong there. Later on in life, other significant emotional things happen to them. It could be something as simple as a, as a breakup in, in high school or uh, something they witnessed uh, in, in the military. It could be a lot of things. And it doesn't have to be what we would normally consider that big a deal. It was to them, right? Uh, the best uh, example I have of that is is two vets that I interviewed. One went through the CR process. His best buddy was in the firefight with him where he was triggered with the PTSD. His best buddy has no, no issues at all. He did not trigger, they, did, they were in the same spot. But his best buddy also didn't have an energy, uh, a lost memory back there. So what do we do about that? How do we do that, right? The, the next question would be logical to, to how do you do this? So, what, we're to do, what we do is we have the person, like I am sitting here right now on an audio visual, visual platform. We have them close their eyes so they don't look around. We want them completely present on, on what, what we're going to do. Then we ask them to go to three memories, one at a time. And those memories, we prefix it by, there are no good memories, there are no bad memories, they're simply memories. That shuts the... the uh, emotions down. Okay. So when we ask him for the first memory, we say, tell me about, um, Carol, take me to a memory that, that you enjoy remembering and you like to review often with friends and family. I didn't say it was a good one or a bad one, just a memory. Now, when you get there, here's the key. When you get there, I want you to freeze frame the memory into a photograph. Why do we do that? If there's no motion in the memory, there's no emotion attached to it. Go to that, no emotion. And the thirdly, there's no ego asking questions because ego plays off of emotion. So we've shut down all of the things that lineal thought uses to protect that, that memory. And then we know that smell is the number one driver for recall of memory, okay? If I was to say, uh, think of, and for you guys that are li listening, think of fresh baked bread with the smell of it. Instantly, you have the smell of that fresh baked bread. Might take you a second or two to put a location with it or a memory with it, but the smell is instant. Okay? So we ask the person while they're there in their memory to 
be focused and present with the memory itself, not where they're sitting in their room. And then I ask them, please describe for me one thing at a time what you smell. And they give us an inventory. And then we go through the rest of the senses. I'm not going to show up uh, all of our tricks. But we go through all five senses in the same manner. But what we're looking for is missing odd and can't be remembered information. Those are keys to where we're ultimately going to be when we get back to that, that lost memory. How do we get back there though, right? We're using abstract thought now, not linear. So we can move around the brain. We don't have to go linearly back to try to find something we don't know where it is. But if we use this abstract thought, the deflector, the, this protection device doesn't know what to do and, and they can't trace us. So we use this, this abstract thought to get back to a memory where the client actually kind of comes in the back door of the memory where it's not protected because everything is set up for in front of the memory, not in the back. So when they get in there, that memory is as fresh and complete as if it happened 10 minutes before. The most important thing, the person who is responsible for creating all this, they're, they're in that memory and they see their face. Okay. The significance of this is we've now broken open the memory. So it's no longer amnesia, but it also no longer has any emotional tie to us. Okay. The person's face, they, they are to say anything they want. They can't get up and throw things, but they can scream, yell. I've heard every cuss word in the book. Um, they can do anything they want for as long as they want to release all this pent up energy of their lifetime. Because that person caused it all, okay? So when they're done, we have them say a neutralization uh, wording. And I say it that way on purpose. When the deflection system and our lineal thought, we learn whole sentences, we memorize songs, phrases, all those kinds of things are full sentences. We have 15 words that do not make a sentence. So you have to memorize 15 words, not in conjecture. So what they do is they say, Uncle Terry, I love you and I forgive you so I can love me and forgive me. And that is cool. Oh, that's very, wow, that's a good one. Right, now here's the significance there. All of the rest of these uh, repetitive events that continuously occur in that client's life are shut off. The, the memories are there, but they're no longer charged with emotion. Now, we don't create dish rags. We're still normal people, but we get to choose when we think about a song over and over and over again because we want to, not because we can't get rid of it, okay? And, and other things. Now, we're also emotional beings. So six months from today, you might go through something that's very emotional that triggers something that was really bad in, in, your, in your memory. Well, we have a check system to, to neutralize that. We ask ourselves three questions. Which of my five senses just went off? Did I smell something? Did I taste something? Did I see it, hear it? Whatever it is. Now I ask myself, give me a memory that goes with that sense. And you go immediately to a memory. In that memory, I don't care if you're in a coliseum with 80,000 people, the first face you see in that memory, 
you neutralize. Chew them out real quick, give them the 15 words, and you're out of your trigger within seconds. Okay, so um, I'm just curious, uh, Terry, because there's so much information here. You mentioned the first sensation that we would um, remember, smell. Smell is, is the number one sense of the five senses for memory recall. Of memory recall. But what about a death of a, of a, uh, of a parent? Right. The, the, the emotional charge of that death right. is the significance. Now, there may be smells that you trigger on later on in life from that funeral home or, or whatever. Right. For years after my, my grandmother died, whenever I smelled funeral flowers, I'd get a breakout in, in a cold sweat because uh, I remembered how emotional it was. You know? Right. And, and so that would be a, a good example. So if, if the, well, the fact that a parent died is a right. high emotional event. And you, you deserve the right to go through the grieving process and acknowledge it. And if you find yourself, a lot of our, our clients will contact their practitioner and say, okay, this just went happened. What should I be looking for in case I do it, in, in case I trigger and I don't know it? And, and so what we tell them is, um, if you trigger, contact me right away and we'll take you through it so you don't have to worry about it, okay? And um, once in a while, a few months after their CR process, they're not paying attention to their thinking process. Well, their mind start and their body starts going back to that old routine, vibrating the way it's always vibrated. It wants you to be normal, right? That's what it considers normal. Right. And so they contact their uh, practitioner. I get it all the time. I don't feel right. There's something wrong. I know it's wrong, man. I, I don't know what's going on. And we say, okay, let's get together like we did the first time only we'll do a continuation session. Usually within about 30 minutes, we found the new amnesia block that was trying to take over and neutralize it and it up. I Very see. seldom do we have somebody come back a third time. Really? So this whole process, carries is it 30 days? What is the at length of time? Well, here's the science behind the 30-day VIP experience. Right. The first uh, day, day one, is your CR process session, usually three to three and a half hours. It takes a while to get back there. There's a lot of setup time, and then you go through the memories. And then uh, you go through seven days. Seven is, is a key number for, for patterning. Seven days of a special kind of journaling where you email yourself every day what you're feeling, what you're thinking about from the day before. I won't get into all the details with it, but on day eight, you do that for seven days. On the seventh day, and you do it in, in succession, so they're all on one email going forward. On the last day, the seventh day, you CC your practitioner, so they get to see what you thought about, and you get to read it for the first time from day one to day seven. Otherwise, you can only read each day. So on day eight, we call it the day eight call. We meet over the phone. We don't have to be on visual anymore. We meet over the phone, and talk about with the client uh, what they saw, when they changed their minds, 
Um, you know, I still hate that son of a bitch, those kinds of things on one, two, and three. And then, or uh, let's say I'm the perpetrator. They would make a small T for my name on day one, two, and three. All of a sudden on day four, I have a capital T. They have passed that, that anger part and now recognize me as a person no longer affecting them. Okay. And so that's how that goes. So we know that anywhere between 12 and 15 days, the body starts thinking, Terry, you've been vibrating, having a good time for the last couple of weeks. Now let's get you back to normal. So we have a check-in at day 15 for two things. If you're a small business owner, number one, who are you? How are you doing? What do you look at with your business now and your future? If you're not a business owner, that's okay too. Who are you? What you're looking at? And what do you now think about the future? And we kind of coach them a little bit and give them some feedback on what their thoughts are. Because we're all uh, just, almost all of my practitioners are licensed professionals of, of some sort. So then we give them two weeks off and we have a day 30 call. Now, why do we have 30? It takes 21 days for a new habit to stick in the human mind. Okay. But we give it 30 days because of, of my time in the military, I found that if I trained people um, and reviewed it after 30 days, I had better results. So I've always held to 30 days. That 30-day call is an hour long with the client just talking, right? And we're quiet. Just tell me how this whole 30-day experience has gone. What we're looking for is different cues of their, their speech and their, their vernacular from before the session, that something new happened. And we can be looking for that, that they may not be aware of yet. So that's it, that's the 30-day experience. That's, that's very fascinating. So what are you looking at, uh, Terry? You just mentioned the, the words or the, yeah. Give an example. Looking at what? You were mentioning the words at the end, you're looking at them. Right. We're, we're uh, looking for cues right. uh, in the way they're talking. Uh, are they thinking the way they used to think? Are they oh. talking like they used to think? Uh, are, are, you know, is something, uh, a new memory taking over where the old memory uh, went away? Because remember, our mind is thinking the old way is normal because it's, that's the way it's always thought. Right. Right, so right. the new way has to be patterned. So are you also detecting at that uh, at the end of the 30 days more self-confidence in, uh, in the patient, more self-empowerment? What are the also the psychological you know, aspects that you're picking up with them? Amazing people. Amazing, okay. Uh, what, what we do, at the, starting with the end of the CR session, right. when we're still on, we ask them to go in the bathroom and look in the mirror, and they're blown away. Their face has lost many years off the face. They look much younger. They look healthier and lighter than they were. And their, their happiness factor is consistent. They like who they are now, and they want to stay that way. Okay? Um, for our coaching clients, uh, one of my clients um, uh, had amazing, uh, the, the marketing plan I created for her, had amazing results. She doubled her income in, in 30 days. So, you know, she was very happy. But our, our average client 
comes to the to the 30 day call very happy and and uh, very appreciative with their CR practitioner because you know the world has literally changed right big time so you're chiseling away all of this other the toxic energy whatever you want to call it I'm picking up to get to the root of who they are as a human being and to embrace joy love self-empowerment self-confidence um, so in other words we're freeing uh, I'm picking up are you you're freeing off a fear and anxiety oppressed procrastination what are you some of the emotion that you're freeing up uh, Terry well the big thing is is um... I love you and I forgive you so I can love me and forgive me because there's a lot of self guilt in all of that. I should have been able to figure this out. How can you at two years old figure out anything that's amnesic that you don't even know how to put in, in contents in your own mind. So get rid of that. So you can love and forgive yourself because you can't function in this world, give love and move forward if you don't have it. So we teach them to have that first. The other, other things uh, that, that are, uh, happen a lot is a number of them have, have quit their jobs and started a career that they've always wanted because now they have the ability to do it. One really good example is a man who was uh, just a year more and he could retire from the government in California. He is a lifelong victim. He used to get beat up and harassed and bullied in, in school. In fact, at his graduate, high school graduation, when they were all lined up to go into the uh, auditorium, four kids beat him up. He walked in the auditorium with a bloody face. You know, just, and that continued for another 50 years in his life. And when he was done with the CR process, he was no longer a victim. His boss, the week, the, 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 the Friday before, we did this over a weekend, the Friday before was harassing him like he did every day. When he went to work on Monday morning, that whole week, he did not receive any harassment from his, from his boss. The end of that week, his boss called him into the office and he was fully expected to get it, right? Like he always does. And he says, I'll say George, but that's not his name. George? You did a great job this week. I really interested in what, you just look like such a new guy. What, what are you doing? Are you exercising? You got some sort of special diet? And he says, no, uh, just did some life-changing uh, things that I'm, I'm going through, but thanks for noticing. And he full control of himself, said, have a nice weekend, boss, and he walked out. Well, when I talked to him at the 30-day call, his boss still hadn't, said a, a, a deranged word at him whatsoever. Nobody else has picked on him in the office. Three years later, this was back in 2013, three, 20 year, 2016, uh, him and his wife, who is a practitioner now, his wife is, uh, came to an event in Florida that we were at. And I finally got to meet him in person. And this new guy was like nothing like he was when I first saw him and went through the CR process. That's a beautiful story. So I'm um, picking up, obviously, uh, through this process of healing people, you're getting much joy within yourself. Oh, yes. Right, yeah. Well, you know, there, there's a backfire to this beautiful story, okay? 
nobody was there. I know all the tricks. So I taught people to, to become practitioners. And then I, I taught, my, taught my six superstars to become masters so that they could teach this as well. But there was a reason I went through uh, open heart surgery. It was a birth deflect that it was time to get it fixed. And I was scared that if something happened, not, CR would go away too. So uh, I trained these, kids, these, these five practitioners who were really good. And one of them became a superstar. She took me through the CR process and successfully found my block. Oh, I love that story. No more self-sabotage. And then she was able to take my wife through it, who also knows all the tricks, and find her block, both, both of us in early childhood. I was four months old. You'd be amazed how accurate your memory is at four months when you can go back there and, and, and actually be witnessed. At four months? Yeah. Really? I had full, I, I know what the woman uh, smelled like, what she felt like, uh, what, you know, it was warm in the room. Uh, I, I could feel that I didn't have any clothes on. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's one thing for your clients to tell you those, those amazing, accurate details of a memory so long ago, but to go through it yourself and validate it is just so, man, I get up every day. There isn't an hour on the 24-hour day that I have not been in a CR session with somebody somewhere in the world. It's very beautiful. It gives us um, listeners a lot of hope with this, uh, Terry. Yes, you know, that um, we often hear of the word, but now we're hearing that, and, and you use, of course, the word victims. And we're certainly at a young age, we're innocent victims. We can't, uh, we can't protect ourselves. Um, and then our heart gets uh, bruised, so to speak. The blood vessels aren't flowing. <laughs> and um, obviously it affects us, sticks with us. And uh, we don't, well, maybe we're not totally uh, aware of how it sticks uh, to us, Terry. Is that what you also say? It's, we're not aware of it. Yeah, you have no idea. Right, it gets submerged. Yes, yeah, submerged. It's happening. Right. No, that's right. So, well, I'm sure there's so many lessons to what you're saying for us, uh, Terry. You know that, um, again, we're all victims, innocent victims, and we can all be healed uh, with, the, with the beautiful process that you have been mentioning to the listeners. Uh, you've gone through it. You validated it. You've, uh, you have practitioners in, several, I think, 12 countries using this practice. actually we just took on another one since i talked to you so there's a lot of validation but i think uh listeners the um really the the beautiful aspect of this or the enlightenment of this is that we can all be healed from our past yeah. wounds um that maybe we think we can't be healed or we don't address it because it's too painful Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes pain, it can turn around and give us love in our hearts, you know, and uh, because we're chiseling away, the pain is uh, also telling us something. There's a message from the pain. It's a strong echo, it's a strong handshake, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's addressing the pain, but saying also at the same time, you can be healed, address it, move forward with your life. And um, thank you so much. Uh, I'd like to add one other thing. Yes. Okay. 
Sure. We don't have office visits. We don't do the process um, in person. It's all online because if you're geographically separated in the next room or the next country, doesn't matter. You're on five continents. Uh, the key is to be comfortable and secure in your home, okay, and on a, um, sitting in a place with somebody you trust. Right. So there's no therapy, there's no counseling, none of that. Right. No, I understand that. You have to be comfortable to open up to a stranger. And obviously you are making them comfortable to open up. It's a, it's a bonding of trust and comfort and, um, and your wisdom with the, uh, with the knowledge that you have uh, learned. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so okay. much. Terry Earthwin Nichols, you've been listening to the matter of the heart. And um, we always, and, and I am your host, Carol Livy. We always end up the show by saying, be kind to your heart. Uh, because the more you're kind to your heart, you realize you can open up and be healed from anything and everything, listeners. Thanks so much for listening to the matter of the heart.